welcome to the History Shows Us podcast. I'm your host, Letty, a historian with a passion to speak truth and teach about history, racial justice, and more, making the critical connections between the past and present. Seeing the bigger picture is so necessary in our society today. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode. I hope that you're all doing as good and as great as you can be right now. I know it has been a while since I have put a podcast episode out. The last one was the end of July of this year and I had all intentions, y'all, of just taking a two or a three week break from the podcast And then it turned into about a month and a half because you know what? That's how life is sometimes. And what I have found this year is that (laughs) I often feel like I have to have a reason for why I do things, like some big reason. And sometimes that reason is just, I just wanted to do it this way, so... (laughs) Anyway, with all that being said, I'm excited to be back. Um, We are still in season five of the podcast, and the season will continue through the end of November. I am just honestly sitting here right now. I'm just thinking about how fast this year has gone by. Does anyone else feel that way? Is it just me? It's already September. And it's going to be 2022 in just a few months. That's wild, right? Isn't it? I think I've been saying this consistently and continuously for the last month. Because I don't know where August went, actually. August was just here and then it left in September. I'm side-eyeing September because it's slightly doing the same thing, even though it's just the second week of the month. Anyway, I can continue to go on about time and how fast the year has gone by, but I just want to say I'm so excited to be back. This episode today is going to be really just some questions that I received on Instagram. Um, About a month ago, I uh, put something up on my Instagram story. P.S. If you are not following me on Instagram, you can follow me at sincerely.letty. That is my main Instagram account where I talk about history and anti-racism and racial justice and all the things. Um, And you can follow this podcast at History Shows Us podcast. But anyway, I put some um, or a question on my Instagram story on my sincerely.letty page and just some things that I was, I was just curious, honestly, to see if people had questions for me or had any comments or things like that. And I was very excited to receive some back. So That is what this episode is going to be today, me answering those questions. And honestly, y'all, these questions um, got me to thinking a little bit and are going to give me the opportunity to reflect just on this year so far for me. So the first question, 
When racists make anti-black statements online, should allies go off on them or is that unhelpful? So the simple answer to this is speaking up against racism should always happen, especially, especially white people out here. Y'all need to be speaking up against racism. Now, you have to use your own judgment for that with the different situations because I, as a black woman, am not going to tell you each time, like, hey, you should speak up right now or, hey, you like should have spoken up then. Nah, like, if we're going to really be about dismantling this system and um, of racism and white supremacy, then that also requires knowing and understanding that speaking up against the racism and the white supremacy uh, and condemning it has, has got to happen. So there's that part of the question. Well, the answer for the question. <laughs> also, I want to talk a little bit about the use of the word ally. I use the word accomplice instead of ally. Ally is such a buzzword, and I've seen too many people thinking that calling themselves an ally makes them not racist, um, makes them not homophobic, makes them not transphobic, and that's wrong. That is wrong. Just because you see yourself, right, as, oh, and this is specifically to um, white people, uh, you see yourself as, oh, I'm not one of those white people um, that is out here being homophobic, for example, right, being racist, for example. No, that doesn't make you an ally. Right? It doesn't make you an ally just because you recognize a little bit of injustice, necessarily. Um, and also, ally is typically considered a verb. Like, one needs to act as an ally, and that title cannot be given to yourself. An ally could be a disruptor, but being an ally isn't a way to get applause or to get brownie points, um, to lead, to take over, etc., in black and brown spaces. So you're probably like, what is an accomplice then? What do you think about whenever you think of the word accomplice? Someone who is there with you and taking action with you. Someone who's following your lead. Actions of an accomplice are meant to directly challenge institutionalized racism and white supremacy um, by basically impeding racist people, policies, and these structures. Accomplices realize that withdrawing from taking action is not an option. And also, actions of an accomplice are directly informed by black people, brown people, and indigenous people. Whenever you see a racist comment on social media, you can absolutely say something. That's your choice, again. Um, but I'm going to tell you that you should. Ask yourself, actually, like, why you wouldn't, you know? But this is why I often talk about being prepared and doing your anti-racist work continuously. It's your call how far you want to take it whenever you call someone out. You need to be aware of how your body reacts whenever you see these comments and know what you want to say and what you need to say. There's also a way to go about doing that. One of my friends actually is a um, white woman on social media and what often happens whenever she sees racist comments and things like that is she comments back to these people and she holds them accountable. She calls them out and she does it in a way where she's also holding them accountable 
and making plain what they're doing. So anyway, there's that answer as simple as I could put it. (laughs) Next question. What is a question nobody ever asks you that you wish they would? This is actually a good question because y'all, people ask me a lot. I also tell a lot without people even having to ask me. (laughs) But one question I would say is, um, how has this year been for me? That's a question I don't get often at all. Actually, I don't know the last time I was asked that question. So yeah, how has the year been for me? Um, And I'm going to get into this answer a little bit with another question that I was asked. But what I will say is, to answer that question that I haven't been asked before, (laughs) this year, since last September, has been eventful. It has been tough in ways that I didn't think that it would be. It has been eye-opening. It has it has taught me more than I ever expected this year to teach me. And that sounds cliche, but y'all, I'm telling you, there's just been so much in my personal life, um, in my professional life, but definitely in my personal life and things that I've been, been working on. And, um, but also, uh, whenever I turned 33 this year, on June the 1st, I said to myself, I said, I am not going to let the end of 2021 leave or the last half be like it was in the beginning. So not going to let the end of the year be like the beginning of the year because the beginning of the year was a little rough for me, (laughs) just a little bit. (laughs) And, uh, but I'm actually, y'all, I'm thankful for it. I know that sounds wild, but I am, I'm do we wish that we could just learn things and experience things without all of the other hard stuff that comes with it? Of course we do. But I also just look at life in a way where I am like, yeah, if had I not gone through those things, I would not be where I am right now. I would not be as happy as I am right now. I would not be as joyful as I am right now. I would not feel differently in such a good way the way that I do right now. So... That question and that answer. (laughs) Next question. What is your favorite thing about being a historian? Ooh, love this one. So I could talk for 20 minutes just about this question. (laughs) But I will not talk for 20 minutes because no. But what (laughs) what I will say is I love knowing how to interrogate history and connect the dots the way that I do. Yes, we as historians do this, but the way that I do it, right, with who I am and how I see history and my passion and my purpose all wound up in that, I love the way that I do it. As a historian, I don't simply retell history. You know, people tell me, like, that they love history and they're a history lover and Sometimes what I hear, too, is people calling people historians that are just people who like history. And I'm like, no, like, I'm, I actually have degrees for why I'm a historian. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, retelling history, sure, I do that. I do that often whenever I'm educating 
about history. You have to retell it. But then there's another component. There's another, there's a few other components. Um, what I largely do is make connections to show that nothing in history is isolated. And also, right, like whenever I was getting my master's in history, it wasn't simply writing a paper, let's say, about the, um, I'm trying to think of a topic off the top of my head. It wasn't simply, oh, okay, I want to write a paper about medical clinics that the Black Panther Party created. I'm just going to go find things written about this and write this paper. No, actually what I would have to do, let's say I wanted to look into this, what I would need to do is read everything that was written about that topic, and then I would need to also ask questions that haven't been asked yet. And so let's say I wanted to write a paper, right, about these medical clinics, but what I could do is say, huh, why were there more medical clinics in this city, in this state, that this Black Panther Party chapter was governing, was over? Why were there more? And then look at, huh, what else was going on in the country at the time? I could look at, let's say, and I actually did this, I could look at um, ads in black magazines like Jet and Ebony, and I could be like, huh, I wonder how many more ads about black maternal health, for example, there were um, in these magazines in different years. I wonder if there's a correlation. I wonder if I can argue the reason why there were more in certain areas. How did this also play a part into the Vietnam War? And so anyway, I don't want to go off on, on a tangent and talk about all that kind of research, but what I mean is it's much more than just retelling the history whenever I tell people that I'm a historian, right? Um, things in history are not isolated. These connections aren't only what I call surface level ones, um, but they're, they're ones that require a deeper understanding of the systemic issues in this country. And for me, it also requires seeing that these things in history, y'all, are not far apart, right? People, I feel like, look at, let's just say, oh, I don't know, let's talk about prohibition for just a second, right? People look at prohibition, you think about how Hollywood always portrays prohibition, right? But what's also not looked at is the number of lynchings during that time. What's not looked at, right, is um, as, as much, what's not looked at as much is how black people and brown people right, fared during this time, and what did that do for the criminalization of black people, right, because there is there is a connection there, right, how is prohibition directly connected to the war on drugs, for example, so it's, it's making these kinds of connections, and my mind just moves really quickly, and I love that about me, I, I honestly do, I'm thankful to God for this, for this gift and this knowledge that I have. I also really love seeing these connections that are so very plain to me, but they also remind me of this kind of, uh, I don't even know if the word is divine, but it just reminds me of time and place and 
how connected they are. So one example of that, right, is the fact that Emmett Till was kidnapped and later brutally tortured and murdered on August 28, 1955, right? Well, the March on Washington happened on August 28, 1963, eight years later. And I wonder how many people know that, right? I wonder how many people connect that. And I enjoy making those connections for people because what it does is it shows just how much this stuff matters. It, it, it makes people have these aha moments or like the, wow, wow, look at that. And it is important to recognize these connections, for example. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. It's very important to connect these examples with August 28th, 1955 and August 28th, 1963. But connections like Emmett Till's kidnapping and murder must be seen alongside the, for example, consistent lies that white women have told historically and had their white womanhood uplifted and protected by white men because of the racist lies and stereotypes created by white men and white women, right? This, this needs to be looked at alongside the racist reactions to Brown versus Board of Education, how angry these white people were in Mississippi and in the entire South. This needs to be looked at alongside like the ways black boys and girls are constantly viewed as older and less innocent, robbed of their youth, right? Those are things that I that my brain automatically looks at as a historian that's way below the surface level, right? But what I also do is interrogate not just secondary history, and for those of y'all who don't know, um, well, secondary sources. Primary sources are sources that are from the actual time, okay? The time that you're talking about. Secondary sources are sources um, written after that time. So, for example, if I am looking at Black Panther Party newspapers, those are our primary source. Black Panther Party newspapers from 69, 70, 71, okay? Those are primary sources. A secondary source would be a book like Black Against Empire, which was a book that was written about, I think about maybe seven years ago, about the Black Panther Party. So what I also do is dig into these primary sources and I try to make these connections where I try to use the sources to show something else or, yeah. So with that being said, I also started back on my green book research for the Wilmington, North Carolina area. And for those of you who don't know this, back in October 2019, I started a research project, so to speak, on the green book. And the green book was a travel book that black people used um, from the late 30s to the late 60s, late 1930s to the late 1960s, excuse me. And I um, did a lecture at the Bellamy Museum here in Wilmington, North Carolina. And what I did, though, for that first lecture in October 2019 was I just found all the Green Book locations from Wilmington, North Carolina. I looked through all the Green Book editions I could find in, in, in an archive online through the New York Public Library. And I created a little sheet and it was a... A lot of work, but it was also a lot of work that wasn't the tedious stuff for me. And so that was 
the first lecture. And then I did, um, I did another lecture on the Green Book earlier this year through the North Carolina Preservation Society via Zoom because, you know, still in a pandemic and all the things because people won't wear their freaking masks. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> um, I had started back on the research the beginning of this year because what I'm also finding is this research hasn't been done before right, about looking into Wilmington, North Carolina's Green Book history and looking at things that are very specific, right, like who owned these locations, who, whose name is on the land deed and all of this stuff. So anyway, not going to give a lot of that away because I'm um, picking that back up now and I have some questions I'm going to be asking, <laughs> but deep diving into this history to try and make an argument about something, right, regarding... Um, space and time and autonomy and survival, like that's what I do as a historian. I don't simply regurgitate the history. There is, it's a craft. It's also being a historian is about um, continuously learning what's being added to different subjects. And no, I don't know everything, right? People will often talk to me about stuff and I'm like, I am not all-knowing okay I know a lot oh yes but I'm not all-knowing and I say that to say like I am also someone who if I don't know right I'm like oh I'm gonna look into that some so yeah I love being a historian and then whenever I got my second master's which is in conflict management and resolution I really wanted to get that one. Actually, I didn't really know why I wanted to get that one, but I realized why I was being what I felt like called to get that one because I saw the lack of mediation and effective communication and strategies with um, really having these hard conversations out here regarding racism. And so with that one, I learned a ton of tangible skills and all the things that I couldn't go into right now, but I won't even go into all of that. Um, but I also was able for some of my grad seminars I took to incorporate some history into my papers, into my discussions, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, all in all, y'all, I'm going to be a historian forever. <laughs> this next question was very sweet. What makes you such a wonderful and kind human? This was also a very just kind question. Thank you for those compliments. I'm really just me, y'all. But one thing that comes to mind immediately for my answer to this question is humility, right? I've experienced quite a bit where I had to learn what humility actually meant. And that's through graduate programs, that's through, you know, different jobs that I've worked, um, dealing with different kinds of friendships, relationships, but also in all of that, um, choosing to see what these experiences were trying to not just show me, but how they were trying to grow, grow me. I would say that. <laughs> that sounds odd saying it out loud, but I hope that makes sense. Like how these experiences in different times in my life, I could have just looked at them as, uh, well, I don't know why this is happening. Or I could see it as, all right, like, I, I want this to help me be better. Or I want, and that doesn't mean that everything was just me going in it like, okay, great, I'm going to learn this now and it's going to be fine. No, but what I mean is choosing, right? Choosing to do that work um, and 
hum- humility is something uh, that I wish more people had, to be honest with you. There's, there's not enough of it out here. Um, I also, y'all, truly want to see change. Like Being compassionate is just a part of who I am. I saw both of my parents being this way. Right. But what I also saw and what I will also say about myself is, yes, I am a wonderful and kind human. I really am. I'm an amazing black woman, y'all. Okay, And for that reason, okay, well, not really for that reason, but going along with that, I'm also going to stand up for myself. I'm going to speak up for myself. I'm going to advocate for myself because I've had to learn why that's important. I've had to learn how to do that. And a lot of that requires, right, like doing that own personal work. And what I also know is there's a difference between being kind, right, and letting people treat you any kind of way. And what I will say, too, is I saw some of this, too, growing up. And we still see this, right? People saying, oh, well, you should just be kind to people and all the things. I'm not saying don't be kind to people. We absolutely should be kind to people because, honestly, you don't know what people are going through out here. But there's a way to say things whenever you feel like you're not being treated the way that you deserve, right? There's a way to effectively communicate. That doesn't mean that we're always going to do that, right? Because I'm, I'm not perfect. I don't always do that. But what I'll say is if someone says something to me, right, that upsets me, right, let's say it's one of my friends, um, there's a way that I can tell that friend that what they did bothered me, right, without making them feel extremely small, right, without making them feel inadequate as as a person, right? Um, And whenever it comes to the work that I do, right, with being kind and how to do that, y'all, I don't even know how to really put this into words. Um, But what I will say is I have a Patreon, okay? For those of y'all who don't know this, um, Patreon is basically a place where you can um, subscribe to me and you can get access to different lessons each month or Q&As or webinars, that kind of thing. I just basically provide history, education, and anti-racism content there. And um, what I also, how I approach it too, right, is there are people um, who attend my live Q&As every month, who attend my webinars every month, who send me messages and, and like leave comments regarding my lessons or even my like book club. We, I have a book club where I, where we have a conversation once a month about the book that like we're, we're, we're reading. And I see it as all my patrons that I have are willingly, right, like supporting me every month. Um, and they're doing this because they want to also learn. Yes, they also want to support me as a black woman, but they also want to learn. And so whenever we're having conversations or something like that and someone asks something that's kind of like, uh, you maybe should have asked it that way or the way that you just said that was a little offensive and here's why, I use those moments as teaching moments. And... I also decide when and how I'm going to do that, right? Sometimes I just don't do that with people, right? But I also have something in me uh, that I can't explain (laughs) that um, helps me, right, Uh, have this discernment to know how to handle different kinds of situations with people, Uh, I am not kind to racist people. Absolutely not. 
I'm going to tell you all that right now on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be kind to someone who is a racist and who is a bigot. I have been physically face to face with racist people saying racist things to me more times than I can count way more times. Um, I'm not kind. I'm not going to sit there and say, "Mm, well, why would, why would you say that to me? Nah, we ain't doing that. We're not doing that in, in those moments. Right. But, um, but anyway, overall, I don't want to like get off on a tangent, but overall, like I know that, and, and I've seen, and I've experienced, um, so much, to see why, right, in certain moments, it is necessary to be wonderful and kind. And also, let me say this. I know that sometimes, too, and maybe some of y'all can relate to this. Some things for me, I'm like, other people can like it or not. I know what's placed on my heart to do sometimes. And I know what's, what's not other times. So, yeah. That was a simple way of saying, this is who I am, (laughs) y'all. This next question is always a fun one to answer. How did you transition to working for yourself? I admire you for following your passion. Aw, thank you. Um, So it actually happened really fast last year, right after we found out about George Floyd being murdered. Um, I had just finished my second master's. And, uh, which I said before is in conflict management and resolution. And my first one is in history. And like I've said many times before on here, that one was extremely rigorous and challenging. And so after my second master's was done last year, you know, we were quarantining. We were in a pandemic. We're still in, in a pandemic. And I was just like, what am I going to do for a job and stuff? But a month before that, I actually started to get a little bigger on Instagram So basically, I decided to take the step and do what I knew I had been led to do for a couple of years, honestly. Um, It didn't just start last year. I got my MA in history in 2015. I worked at this eye doctor's office because I I couldn't find a job teaching history at a local college. And then after a year, I started working at this corporate company, this corporate office. Um, That was in 2016. And I also was teaching history at the local community college on my lunch breaks on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Yeah, did that for a year and a half. (laughs) And being an adjunct professor for one college history class did not pay anything. I mean, honestly, didn't pay anything. Uh, And I was pretty much doing it because I wanted to and because, well, I needed experience on my resume. I was extremely busy. Uh, Then... I had to stop teaching after the fall semester of 2017 because it was truly just too much with life at the time. And my body was physically just not having it. Like my back was hurting a lot. And I was like, what is going on? I remember my doctor was like, you're distressed. You're just really, really stressed. And I also, though, felt like God was telling me, like, you need to put teaching down. And I was very upset. I was extremely upset. Um, I was frustrated and I was discouraged because I was like, well, this is what I wanted to do and this is what I thought I was being led to do and teach. And um, But then I stopped teaching and I was still working at the corporate office or the um, corporate company here in Wilmington. And um, regardless, though, I decided to just trust God. 
I distrusted God and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this. And let me just say something here to y'all. Trusting God is not just like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to trust God. Nope, 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 nope. It is being strung through and drugged through and like the mud sometimes. And, <laughs> but also it is, and there's a big component with trusting God. Um, and that other component is obedience. And obedience is something that I talk often about now because it is something that uh, can't be taught, right? You can't teach someone how to be obedient to God, or you can't teach people how, you can't really teach people, I'm seeing, how to be obedient. Anyway, anyway, the point is, um, I had applied for my second master's degree in spring 2018 and decided to leave this corporate job that May. And I did not like that corporate job. Let's just be clear. I did not like it at all, at all. But I see, right, in hindsight, that without that job, I would not have been able to go a minute away, a minute drive down the street to the community college and work on my lunch breaks. I would not have been able to do that. And also, working at Cape Fear Community College here in Wilmington, North Carolina, also opened other doors for me just with teaching that one class. So I see that as a huge blessing. Yes, it was a lot and all the things, but I also see that I had to put that down in 2017 because that was done. I That had already served its purpose in my life, and I just didn't even know it yet. So anyway, um, yeah, left the corporate job spring tw- May 2018. I had gotten accepted to the grad program. Um, I had started working as this after-school program coordinator with, um, this program for black youth. I did that for a year and then some more life happened and something was like, you don't need to do this anymore. You need to finish this master's and focus on that. And I've, I also kept getting blocked with things with the job that I had as the program coordinator, I kept getting blocked with things that I wanted to do and whatnot. And I was like, this is just not it for me anymore. And summer 2019, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out what in the world I was supposed to be doing. Cause I felt like I was constantly being passed up for opportunities as a historian, as this educator, et cetera. And I wasn't getting asked to be a part of things. I felt like I should have been. And with all that though, like, yeah, it was, like, why am I not getting chosen? I'm being very real with y'all here. <laughs> um, because we don't talk about this stuff enough, right? Um, but I decided to start my podcast that, that summer. And so anyway, uh, that fall, I started doing more of what I wanted to do. And I learned that the more I trusted and put my faith in God, regardless of what else is going on. And this doesn't mean that I'm, that I was, I did it all with, with a smile. This doesn't mean that I'm this perfect person, y'all. You made that very clear, but I chose to just, I chose to continue to truly be happy for other people who were getting different opportunities and who were on, and I kept supporting people and I truly did. I, I wasn't even doing it because I was seeing it as, oh, well, if I support this person, then I'm going to get something too later on down the road and I'm going to have good karma. Nah, I honestly was happy for people, even whenever they were getting things that I knew that I also too deserved and I wasn't getting yet. I, I was so happy for them. Right. And anyway, that's a whole other story with like obedience and like yourself and humility and stuff. But 
Um, yeah, so I gave my first talk about the Green Book in October 2019, and a few more things were happening and all this stuff, and so uh, I spoke at a few places earlier in 2020, um, before March of that year, before COVID was truly a thing, um, and so, yeah, I, I say all that to say that last year when I heard that voice from God in my head leading me to work for myself, I didn't hesitate. I didn't hesitate because there were things that I had, I had prayed for that moment. I had, I, I wanted people to hear my voice and to see how I was talking about history and to want to learn from me and to want to support. And I was getting that. I, that was in front of my face. But what many times people leave out is you have to act. You have to actually act on it. Right. And so I chose to act. I didn't even. I, I didn't have a team of people. I still don't have a team. I, I don't even have an, an assistant. I didn't have any of this, and I did it myself. I just did it all myself, um, figured out how to start Patreon and um, different ideas that I had and whatnot. And it's been a journey for sure. Um, but I've been through too much where I knew what it meant to be obedient. And last year for so many people to want to learn from me on social media, like for me to just be like, nah, I'm just too scared. No, like there are things for me inside that I can't even really explain that um, helped me last year to step into what I'm doing now. And I transitioned to working for myself by remembering what I'd prayed for for, for so long. Um, for God to use me the way that uh, I knew I, w- I, w- I was to be used by, by them. So, oh, yeah, I love sharing that. I love sharing that story, and I love being real about that story. I'm not ashamed of any of what I've been through or um, any personal stuff, too, that I've been through. Because what I found as well is that there were many times in my life where I didn't have someone, or I didn't have advice, or I didn't have honesty from people to know how to get through things so if I can do that for other people if I can um tell someone what I've experienced right for them to feel a little less alone then I'm going to do that I'm going to do that because it does make a difference next question what are the next goals for your podcast to be completely honest, the next goal is to stay consistent because I haven't been consistent the last few months. And that's real, y'all. Like, my goal right now isn't to look at numbers and reach and all of that. It's really to stay consistent because what I have found for myself is that um, small goals are still extremely extremely important like even like the smallest of smallest goals right like the consistency that's a goal of mine (laughs) um but anyway being inconsistent happens and I'm being gentle with myself like I was telling y'all when I started this podcast episode today uh so yeah next goal is consistency (laughs) and actually putting episodes out weekly which also requires me to be uh, or to, to plan better than I've been planning the last few months as well. I don't know if y'all are like this or some of y'all are like this. If I don't plan things out, I just get really overwhelmed. And then I procrastinate. And then it's just a vicious cycle, right? It's just a cycle. And so need to do better with that. <laughs> um, biggest COVID slash pandemic lessons slash takeaways so far. That's the next question. Um, the biggest ones for me are really applicable to my personal life. Honestly, uh, therapy is an absolute necessity. 
I started therapy in July 2020, and I'm so glad that I did. It has been life-changing for me. I'm also someone who wants to confront myself, though, and know the importance of unlearning and all those things to better myself. Um, and uh, if it wasn't for me starting therapy in July of last year, I don't know if I would have been able to handle my separation and my divorce the way that I have been as well the last several months. And so, yeah, woof, y'all, growth, like true growth and, oh, healing, it's amazing. Uh, and I also would say another takeaway is, um, I deserve good things. I deserve great things. I deserve phenomenal things, right? I am not my past. I am not, I mean, none of us are our past, honestly. That can be a whole deep thing I go into right now. But what I mean by I'm not my past is, um, things that we go through, right? Uh, for me, for example, because I'm talking about myself here, but my, my divorce, uh, that doesn't define me, right? I think, I think this, this society makes us think that it does, right? Society makes us think that things like that do define you, right? Um, no, only you can define yourself. And getting to a point where you truly believe that, though, is another thing. And it feels good. It feels great whenever you get to that point. Um, and another huge takeaway is um, I deserve the love that I want and need. I deserve the love that I want and need. And I will not just settle because I should be grateful, right, for someone. No, like, we're, we are told that too much. And so the love that I want and the love that I need is, it is there. It, <laughs> it is out there. Um, I I know that. I know that for a fact now. Um, and then, so those are some personal things. Pertaining to this country, okay, this this country, and the mess that we're in right now. Some takeaways uh, this past year. People are selfish and really don't care about other people. Period. People are selfish and don't care about other people. This country doesn't give a shit about poor people. I'm, I've known both of these things before, okay, but just wanted to include them in, in this list. Um, uh, people really think that oppression is having to wear a mask. Like, y'all really think that being oppressed is wearing a mask, though? Like, honestly, really? The audacity. Uh, and so, yeah, those are just, I'm not even going to continue, and I can just continue with the list off the top of my head for this, for things I've learned this past year about this country. Um, but we're going to stop there <laughs> with that one. Next question. James Baldwin work that I would recommend. Well, and actually the person typed it, um, James Baldwin work that you would recommend, question mark. So, I actually did a post on this on Instagram last month, um, and uh, there are there there are a few. Actually, let me be clear: you should read all of James Baldwin, but there are there are a few that I would tell you to start with. <laughs> so, um, again, if you follow me on Instagram, I did a post um, the beginning of August. That is titled Reading and Watching James Baldwin. It's on my Sincerely.Letty account page. 
Um, but I, so, I mean, some of the things that I listed are uh, The American Dream and The American Negro. That's from 1965. Um, a Report from Occupied Territory, 1966. The Dangerous Road Before Martin Luther King, 1961. The Harlem Ghetto, which is in his writing Notes of a Native Son from 1955. Stranger in the Village which is also in Notes of a Native Son, 1955. Matter of fact, I, I have a quote from Baldwin tattooed on my left arm from Notes of a Native Son, um, Stranger in the Village. It's uh, people are trapped in history and history is trapped in them. It's on my left forearm. Prime real estate area on, on your forearm regarding tattoos. Okay. <laughs> a Talk to Teachers in 1963. Speech from, speech from the Soledad Rally in 1971. I mean, y'all, the, the, the list could go on. Um, the Fire Next Time, Another Country, If Bill Street Could Talk. And, I mean, also things that you should or could watch. Um, James Baldwin's debate with William Buckley at Cambridge. Uh, James Baldwin and Nikki Giovanni's conversation in 1971. Uh, I Am Not Your Negro, which was the film by Raoul Peck, which came out in 2017. And so, yeah, it can just, this, this list could go on and on. Because as y'all know, or if you don't know, now you know, Baldwin is my absolute favorite. James Baldwin. He continues to be a guiding light for me. And then another question I had was, what is something valuable 2021 has taught you so far? And I know I've covered this a little bit in the other questions, but I'm also going to add, because um, I want to answer this question as well, um, I want to add that 2021 has taught me that I am powerful. Right? I'm a powerful black woman. And what that word powerful really deeply means Um 2021 has taught me that I can choose myself unapologetically, but it's also taught me what choosing myself requires, right? That choosing myself requires sacrifice, that choosing myself requires saying or letting things go, right? That I may still want to hold on to, but I have to let them go, right? Various different things. Um, and again, this year has taught me that the love I want and need from someone is absolutely real. It is real. And so, yeah, I hope that these answers to these questions resonated with you all. I hope they encouraged you. I hope they motivated you. I hope they maybe even made you feel seen as well with some of the things I was saying, maybe about the past year and life and my experiences and whatnot. And yeah, Thank you all for those of you who sent questions in. And I love doing this kind of thing. I like answering questions like this. <laughs> um, and I also want to say, I know I mentioned this before, but definitely follow me on Instagram at sincerely.letty and this podcast at History Shows Us Podcast. You can also subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Shoemate. There's actually a link in my bio on Instagram Instagram for all of this. And I am going to be 
doing some, I'm trying to brainstorm some workshops and, and things like that. Uh, there's just a lot, right? There's a lot that I'm wanting to do. And I feel like I finally have some mental space to jump back into these things. And uh, for anyone else out there that is just going through it, right? Um, whether it's because of the pandemic or whether it's just because of life or whatever it is, if you're in a transition with a job or with a relationship, um, whether that's romantic or whether that's just with like a friend or whatever it is, or it's you trying to decide if you want to do therapy or not, or you're trying to work through some things that uh, you didn't think you would have to confront and face. I just want you to know that um, the time is going to pass anyway. Okay, the time is going to pass anyway. And know that diving in and confronting stuff and doing that work and facing it all, whatever that looks like for you and whatever is, is at stake, um, know that your, your intuition, right, is never wrong. It's something that I have also accepted. <laughs> and pay attention, right? Pay attention to things that you've experienced before and pay attention to um, how you got through things before. I know something that helps me is whenever I am going through something, I remember, wow, but remember I got through this before. Remember I got through that the last time. Doesn't mean it makes it less, uh, less challenging, but it does help it be, like those thoughts do help me at least feel a little bit more comfort. So yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, review, share, rate, all of those things, <laughs> all right? Because that really helps me so much. Um, and yeah, as always, until next time.